Hey guys, welcome back to the Vice Casting Couch, Season 1, Episode uh, 28, Brian? 29. 20, 29, my bad guys. 29. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're back from a long hiatus on the run from some uh, intelligence officials from a foreign country. <laughs> you know, Assad, they be... Uh, Assad! <laughs> They tried to get Anyways, us with the Pegasus, but we're not on oh, WhatsApp. Oh, damn, and the NSO group. <laughs> Can't trust them. Can't trust them. Uh, I think Ryan has some interesting story about uh, some kind of vulnerability, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, close. So, not at all. Um, have you... <laughs> not yet, anyways. Have you, have you ever taken a proctored exam? Unfortunately, I have not. I don't have a webcam. You know, those things spy on people. And I'm not talking about the intrusive uh, doctor. That's a proctologist. This oh, is I the... have had one of those. Let oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know, proctor you... exams. Yeah. Like what Proc... CompTIA does? Or... Yes. Uh, specifically, actually, what CompTIA does. So this was brought up in the context of a university. So there was a... Uh, a student in Ohio, they were having him take an online exam and they asked him to scan his room, right? As one does. Um, anyone who's taken a proctor exam or has looked into it, especially in the you know IT world, that's a very popular thing to do. And they, so he scanned his room, he took the exam, and then he turned around and he sued the university because he said that the scanning of his room was against his Fourth Amendment right, against oh, like uh, privacy invasion. Correct. Against random search and seizures, that sort of thing. And it went all the way up to federal court and they ruled that he was correct. Companies can no longer scan your room during proctored exams or remote exams. Now, I did look into this a little bit because I was like, I don't know how companies are going to respond to that because that, how are you going to determine whether they're cheating or not? Mm-hmm. So I looked at CompTIA and they did update it and they said now that you have to take pictures of your room instead of a live scan. I don't know how that changes anything, but that's what they're saying right now. I don't know if that'll change in the future. Maybe they'll just drop it all together. I don't know. As of now, you still do have to take pictures of your room, but the scanning of your room was a live scan was considered unconstitutional. And the scanning of that particular university was also stored on a server so that recording of his room was stored so i don't know if maybe if they oh. don't if they don't store it maybe it's okay i'm not sure exactly what they're gonna you well, know, define gonna ask, um from my understanding and I'm, I'm no legal expert or anything but the constitution yeah. is mainly to uh hold the government back maybe not private enterprise because if Correct. you're taking a, a proctored exam i i pretty sure there's probably some kind of terms and agreements that you're agreeing to i would assume yes i mean when you when you take the exam you do so i've never taken a proctor exam but i did look at their requirements and there is a and if you have obviously feel free to uh, comment if we're wrong from what i understand you do sign something that says if you do cheat or if there's anything in the room blah 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 that helped you in the exam then they'll revoke the exam, specifically CompTIA. Uh, they're big on that. So I would assume that that includes like, hey, we're going to take pictures of your room. And if we find anything, like how, how else would they prove it? Right. I mean, you could have a you could have a freaking whiteboard behind your computer with all the you know answers on it or whatever, um, or your notes or whatever. So there has to be some way, I guess. I don't know. I, I kind of see both sides. Like I get why the companies do it to stop people from from cheating. Yeah, the, but, keep the integrity of the test alive. Yeah, exactly, because otherwise it's not really worth much. But on the other side, I also see their point of not being able to scan their room. To further that argument as well, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I kind of see taking an exam based on memory as kind of not useless, but I do think it's much more valuable to have someone who can find the answer and is knowledgeable generally in the in the topic rather than someone who can just memorize a bunch of ports and then take a test. But yeah, I, I will know. say, you know, especially in IT, like you know how many times you're going to reference some kind of documentation or manual especially when it's something you're not super familiar with like not everyone I, I i bet there are a few people and you know good for you but not everyone can memorize all the cisco commands when you're trying to program a switch or or what if you you know instead of cisco your company gets a brocade or juniper because they're cheaper you know now you gotta reference yep. that like you understand the the methodology say behind vlans and subnetting and all this stuff that goes into networking but you know you know stuff like that to, to your point yeah um, it's i don't know I, I think it's a little much to expect someone to memorize all of that or at least the pertinent parts and then take the exam and then be like oh you're good to you know do whatever yeah i don't know it's it's nearly impossible to memorize everything i mean i i recently took an exam that uh focused heavily on like software usage and stuff like that and they're I mean, there's thousands of different commands and flags and triggers that you can program into it. I don't know anyone who can just go in and do it flawlessly every time. Usually there's a cheat sheet that they have that has, you know, the flags and triggers and whatever else. So then you can input all of it because it's I mean, it's different every time. Usually not doing the same thing over and over. So I don't know. I, I, I just I think it's way more useful to have someone who can find the answer and has the resources available rather than someone who can just think that they know it all and you know go off the top of their head yeah we get it ryan you have a poor memory well i do have a terrible memory (laughs) as well so i'm i'm personally invested in this argument but also i get i I just find it way more useful so one of the things i was going to ask and maybe i don't know if this plays into the uh, ruling at all was this during the time of covid when there was no other option besides online or was this a little bit more recently when stuff has opened up a little bit more. So uh, I believe he took the exam uh, while COVID was a bigger deal than it is now in a lot of places. But this ruling is now coming out now, basically. <clears throat> I mean, this. Well, uh, I could see how that maybe that plays a part into their argument is like, say, if he was like, hey, I want to take this in person because I don't want you to scan my room. Yeah. Then. And they're like, no, we can't do that because of, and maybe that's how the fourth amendment plays into it. You know, and this is just me spitballing at the moment, but like, you know, because the CDC came down with all these rules about social distancing and everything. And if they were like, hey, we can't do it because of the government rules that are applied to us, Mm -hmm. especially if it's like a state run university or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess that kind of makes a little bit more sense in my brain. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. If someone has a little bit more legal expertise than we do, please comment down below. I'd love to understand the uh, inner workings of how this case um, came to came to the ruling it did. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be helpful to have some context to it, because, yeah, again, we aren't we aren't lawyers or anything like that. So we can't we can't read the docket or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, this means this. And that's why they they made this ruling. And you're going to put the link to this down below, correct? Yep. This uh, this article was from uh, August. So August 23rd. So just a couple of weeks ago. Well, speaking of something that could tie into invasiveness, depending on how it's, you know, uh, what attaches to it, I should say. But not really. You know, I'm just uh, trying to make a poor segue. Anyway, <laughs> T-Mobile and SpaceX, y'all have probably heard all the news, but we just want to touch on it a little bit. They're actually going to team up in the future. And the idea is to eliminate all the dead zones, at least in the continental United States. 
Um, its territories, it mentions Hawaii, parts of Alaska, Puerto Rico, and certain territorial waters. So it's, it's pretty interesting. They say probably need a new phone, but it says these phones will be able to connect to satellites and get around two to four megabits per second down, which isn't amazing, but I've had a lot less. There's times I've had one megabit and yeah. I'm still able to load websites and, you know, shoot text messages. And, and that's what it mainly talks about in articles. They're like, yeah, you could send MMS messages. You could use apps like iMessage or WhatsApp, which I could find extremely helpful, especially if you're some kind of backpacker and you're going to some remote area. If you get hurt, how are you going to call for help? You know, definitely has some uh, some real world uses that are very good, especially with with it being islands with hurricanes as well. So I think the last the last hurricane that came through, or one of the last ones that hit Puerto Rico, like they had no internet, no connectivity, nothing, um, I believe for like a day or two. So to have something like that, that you can kind of fall back on would be extremely helpful. And another article that ties into the same subject. So not just T-Mobile, but apparently Elon Musk and SpaceX are holding talks with Apple about using the Starlink connectivity for uh, upcoming iPhones. That way they can connect. Obviously they got to figure out the software and hardware piece, but I think it's still a uh, very interesting, it, a whole new world, you know, oh. where you're not, it's not like, you know, the old sprint commercials where he's like, can you hear me now? And he's holding his phone up and kind of looking around for uh, <laughs> for a cell phone service. And was that Verizon or Sprint? I thought I thought it was Sprint, who knows? I thought it was Verizon. Sprint's no more anyway, so. <laughs> True. Cause True. T-Mobile bought him. Look, it went full circle, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Good segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they mentioned with this new iPhone that, you know, this could especially be useful uh, with stuff like Find My iPhone, some kind of emergency SOS via satellite. Yeah. That way, you know, if you lose your phone or you're in some kind of danger, reach someone and emergency responders can get to you. Yeah, definitely has some real world applications. They say it's going to take a minute to roll out these new satellites. Um, the Gen 2 Starlink satellites are going to have bigger antennas. I think it said five to six meters across. Mm-hmm. That way it can be down to a smaller device. As we know now, the Starlink terminals have to have some kind of dish um, that has like beam forming technology in it. Beam forming. It's it's actually really cool. It's similar to the technologies that's used in uh, some radar applications, especially in planes. Hmm, okay. Is that It's like a grid of very small antennas, but there's like some mathematical sorcery where you can adjust the power on individual antennas and make a beam from my understanding i'm not an electronic uh, engineer but it's pretty impressive that they're able to uh, mass produce and commercialize a, a product like that that is interesting well here's another uh, poor segue into a uh, another story uh so this one is <laughs> is about uh hackers using what's called sock puppets um, and they're using this for more realistic phishing attacks specifically an iranian a hacking group known as TA453, or that's their designation anyways. So what they do is they send an email, right? So they send an email to whomever, uh, mainly it was like Intel, Intel companies and stuff like that, contractors. And then they would reply to their email with another spoofed email, basically adding credence to the original email. So they would send an email to you and be like, hey, we're looking to Intel leaks or something like that. We're trying to patch some holes. Do you think you could help us out? You know, if you could give us some, uh, you know, what you're working on right now, we can look into it. And then they have some other like researcher from California or something that, you know, just a, a random identity that they that made up. And they would respond to that and be like, oh, yeah, I actually have some intel as well. Um, Can you take a look at this or whatever? And then hopefully that pushes the person they originally sent it to to divulge information. So just, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, man, you can never be too careful with phishing. They got some pretty big hooks nowadays. And uh, 
They're getting a little bit more sophisticated. Have you seen those lures? Impeccable. <laughs> Looks like a real fish. Well, this is this is one of them right here. And yeah, uh, but it's the, an email. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do give a example email on this website as well from uh, uh, Bleeping Computer uh, from this article, and it does look fairly legitimate. Um, it says it's from the director of research at the Foreign Policy Research Institute. Not too many grammar errors or spelling mistakes. You know, I guess uh, gone are the days with the you know Nigerian prince asking for money to buy gold bars. Um, it's now more uh, more targeted, more sophisticated, uh, getting better every day. Apparently. Speaking of fishing, um, I know this is kind of old news, but um, I think it's still important to at least talk about is Twilio. Uh, which is an online VoIP SMS authentication oh, yeah. uh, provider. They actually suffered a phishing attack. I think about 125 of their customers were exposed because uh, a Twilio employee's account were um, hijacked, essentially. When you think of 125 customers, it sounds small, but when you think that Twilio works with businesses, a business is a customer. So one of these customers was Signal, yep. and they said, what was it? 1,900 Signal messenger accounts were potentially compromised. And this is because Signal, um, they require you to verify your phone number when you get the app. And they use Twilio on the back end to send the SMS verification codes used when you register on the Signal app. And so they were saying um, it was possible. And I, I want to say there was a handful of people, like maybe five. What the hackers could have done is they could have seen you registering the account and they could have gotten that verification code and they could have took over the registration process on their device. Now, Signal did release a message saying that there's uh, rest assured that no message history or contact list or profile information was um, accessible. And they also doubled down that, hey, there is stuff to stop this that we have implemented. We have thought of this. A similar attack like this like was SIM swapping, where you can social engineer, say, the uh, telecom companies to port your SIM from one from your SIM card to a malicious one that they have. And yeah. so Signal has their... Uh, registration lock, which has a signal pin. You you make a pin code. That way, when you do register on a new device, you have to enter that to prove that, hey, not only do you own the phone number, but you also know the pin that you set up. And it kind of gives that extra layer of security. And um, one of the other companies that I think was affected was Cloudflare. They weren't really affected because they have, I want to say they have digital keys for each individual employee mm. and uh, that two-factor authentication right there. Smart. So I, I did read an article on that, and they did say that uh, some users did report that there were uh, spoof accounts made under their name. Pretty sure they were rectified afterwards by Signal. Yeah, I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was either, it was somewhere between like two and five people yeah, I saw wasn't a lot. that reported. It was it was a small handful because um, they did find this relatively quickly. Yeah, when I saw the article, I, it almost broke my heart. So I was like, oh no, Signal's been hacked. And so I looked into it. it. I was like, eh, not really. Yeah, no, and people at work were like, look, man, why do you use Signal? And I was like, look, every company, especially on the scale of Signal, is going to suffer some kind of attack or targeting. Yeah. Just because the the press, you know, because Signal is touted as this super secure and private and, and encrypted. Oh, yeah. You know, we get a lot more clicks if you say Signal. When you look into the story, it's like, yeah, they did suffer something, but it wasn't any of their critical infrastructure. There wasn't anything in the encryption that was broken. Handful of users, they said 1,900 users had their phone numbers exposed. And of that, yeah. that me and Ryan know of, there's a handful of people that actually claim to have been somewhat affected. 
yeah, if this, if this is the worst that Signal has been had so far, I will gladly accept that over Telegram or WhatsApp that have known vulnerabilities that still haven't been patched, like Pegasus uh, for WhatsApp. But um, yeah, if, if this is the worst that's been that's happened so far, I will gladly accept that. And the other thing is, you know, this is important to talk about because there could be a day when Signal does have a, a very serious vulnerability in their code. Yeah. Um, so make sure to look at alternatives. Have like a backup plan in place, be it something like uh, Theorem or Matrix, you know, with the element and all that, mm-hmm. or, you know, some other end-to-end encrypted thing, preferably open source. As we've seen with WhatsApp, while it is end-to-end encrypted, it's owned by a huge dating mining company uh, called Facebook, or, or now Meta, I should say. It's always good to think of like plan Bs, like what would happen if Signal goes down? Should I use Briar, which is a peer-to-peer, uses a Tor network protocol, or should mm-hmm. I use you know something else? Maybe not switch to it now, but at least have that kind of in the back of your mind that when something does happen, and it is very serious. Yeah, then you can go to something else and wait till it clears up. Yeah, you have a way forward. Um, I did find a little blurb, actually, about Cloudflare. Yeah. It says that they were um, unsuccessfully targeted by this phishing scam, mm. but their use of physical security keys issued to every employee helped impede the attack. So because they had that physical two-factor instead of just an SMS number, it really didn't do anything to them. Nice. Good for them. But, that should be implemented in more companies, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, if any companies are listening, which I highly doubt, <laughs> Look into uh, UB keys and what is it? The UTF, U, U2F uh, protocol. If you guys could implement it, because it, it is an open protocol. A few companies already have it. If you know, if you want to implement that, uh, I'd be uh, happy to be a customer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely gives you a leg up as proof of <laughs> Cloudflare not being affected by this. That's uh, that's the proof you're looking for. There it is for sure. So staying on the topic of uh, phishing and vulnerabilities, there was a, well, I guess currently. There is a phishing scam going around centered around Queen Elizabeth's death. So apparently these scammers, I guess, are purporting to be Microsoft, uh, either from Microsoft like customer support or something like that. And they're saying, hey, we want to invite you to post on our artificial uh, tech hub in the Queen's honor. And if you can give us some uh, like a collage or something like that to put on here to make a uh, in memorial of Queen Elizabeth's uh, life and, and reign and stuff like that. And basically, once you click on it, it's just a it's a credential harvester and they try to steal the multi-factor authentication from your account and then take over your account from there. Uh, so just be aware that if you get an email asking you to uh, collaborate on a <laughs> memorial for Her Majesty, uh, it is uh, most likely a phishing scam. Yeah, I know the queen wouldn't message me. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, well, she's dead, so I don't think she's messaging a lot of people. Is she though? <laughs> what are what are you uh, what are you suggesting, John? I thought we agreed she's reptilian. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just playing everyone. The queen is a great person, <laughs> to my knowledge. I know there's some ties to Epstein and the family. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Whoa, 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 allegedly, reportedly. <laughs> yeah, if we were monetized. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we can kind of say whatever this. we want at this point because it's not, <laughs> we have no sponsors to piss off or <laughs> anything like that. Except for NordVPN. Make sure to hit our link down below. Oh, my goodness. I'm just playing. Nord hates us. 
Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> well, another I mean, company if they weren't shit. Himself, what's that? What? Huh? No, no. Oh, okay. I, I was just okay. thinking back to the times that we've talked about NordVPN and their business practices. Yeah, cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, guys, another company I want to talk about. Um, it's an actually not actually a hack. They're offering a new service, but they do tout themselves as a more private and secure provider. Is DuckDuckGo? There has been some controversy around DuckDuckGo recently, especially with how they have some Microsoft trackers built in. Because if you don't know, um, DuckDuckGo gets their search results from Bing because they don't actually have their own index. They, they kind of get all the search results from Bing and make sure it's anonymized, kind of. But these not uh, these Microsoft trackers, it's a whole story. This for another day. But they recently are now offering their anti-tracking email service to everyone. It was in beta for a long time. Oh, yeah. But they say if you have the mobile app, browser extension, or the Mac browser, you can now sign up for this DuckDuckGo email. You will have a email address that ends in duck.com. But the cool thing about this is they kind of focus on some of the issues in email is there's these uh, pixel trackers or uh, certain link identifiers and they kind of strip all that out. It is interesting and it'll actually list, it'll make a list of all the trackers it found from my understanding. Yep. I haven't actually so uh, signed up for it. I kind of moved away from DuckDuckGo, but I am... You know, hopeful maybe they'll get their act together. You know, if you want a slightly more private option, look into DuckDuckGo. I did sign up for it, actually. Oh, did you? Have I you used did. it recently? I have used it, and uh, it's it's somewhat helpful. Again, I haven't... It's, it is pretty new. Um, it came out, like, what, maybe a week ago or something like that? Yeah, it was really recently, actually. <laughs> yeah, so it's it seems to work, I guess. Um, it's not really, like, anything crazy from what i can see but it's just kind of an added uh, bonus i guess uh, you can put it into websites uh, if you use the DuckDuckGo browser like on your phone um, i have it and when you load up a website and it asks you to put in your email it will automatically suggest the email that you signed up for with DuckDuckGo, which is a nice feature um, so you don't have to enter the email multiple times or anything like that or remember what your at duck.com email was. It'll just automatically input it and it'll tell you, hey, for this email, this is the one linked to it with your, you know, your duck account or whatever your duck email. Do you want to input this one? Do you want to input this one that's linked to this account? And you can you can choose which one you want to put in. Um, um so quick question, seeing you have some experience with it, mm -hmm. is it more of like an email alias or is it an actual email account? Because I'm, I'm getting conflicting information on this article from Ars Technica. As far as I can tell, it is an alias. It is not an actual account. You, so you will have to have a primary email on, correct. say, something else like ProtonMail or Tutanova. Yes, or, it does or, not go to whatever. a separate mailbox. It goes to the same mailbox that you have with your actual email, but it just strips everything out beforehand. So I'm assuming it goes to their server first. They strip everything out or they you know, tag it or what, what have you. And then it goes to your actual email. Okay. So yeah, uh, it's Is just, there a limit on how many aliases you can get? Or? As far as I know, there is not. Uh, because all you do to sign up for one is you just input your actual email, and then it just pseudo masks it with the duck uh, at duck.com email, and then it just it just routes it. It basically just acts as an email proxy, if, if that's yeah. how you want to think of it. Well, because I, I use something similar. I've been using a, it's called Simple Login. Mm. But with them, um, depending on which tier of their, they do have a free tier, but they have some paid options. Yeah. Is you can get multiple aliases. So say if you sign up for, let's say the Wall Street Journal, right? Mm -hmm. You can make an alias, call it like 
WSJ, Wall Street Journal, and then it has like some random characters and then at simple login. And then it'll forward from that address to your primary mailbox. And that way, if you get a, a lot of people, especially in the privacy and security community, tout that as a benefit as having a single alias for each service. Yeah. If you get something that's not from, say, we'll just use the Wall Street Journal as our example, you're like, oh, I only gave that email to this company. Maybe mm. they had a data breach they haven't told us about yet. Oh, okay. Something like that. Because because it is a unique email address for each service. Okay. So this one, um, it, it, I guess you could use it like that, but it's more of just a just a straight up proxy. There's not a, it's not a unique alias that gets uh, tagged to your email. It's usually just your email, like handle uh, your well, prefix. It's more than just a proxy, right? It removes the tracking and. Uh... Well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that would be oversimplified, but okay. I mean, in a way it is a proxy because it, yes. it goes through theirs, you know, their servers, they strip whatever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it does more than a proxy. It doesn't uh, anonymize you or anything like that. It's, it's, just simply for stripping trackers and just kind of, yeah, just rerouting your stuff to make it a little cleaner. It is interesting. I, I am very curious to see if other companies will implement something similar. Um, what, on, in the article, it, it mentioned the, uh, you know, you ever copied like an Amazon link and you notice all those random characters at the end? Yeah. Um, that is so they can track you, actually. Mm -hmm. It's based in the URL. And they're like, oh, he sent that link here. Or he did this. Well, there's... Um, it looks like DuckDuckGo is tackling that. While removing the tracking modifiers from the link, it'll also um, upgrade it from HTTP to HTTPS. That way it's uh, secure when you first click on it and it doesn't have to like attempt to try connecting to an unencrypted uh, website. It does mention that, like I said before, the they're like these pixel trackers. So like, it's like a, a clear image. Like it's a one pixel wide image and it has a way of knowing when you opened it and it can send back stuff like your IP address, geolocation to the company and it removes that as well. So mm. I am very curious on uh, seeing how this goes forward. Um, I just don't know if I'm going to use it. My faith in DuckDuckGo is a little shattered at the moment. But Yeah. So I, I did like briefly look into the accusations when they first came out. I don't know if you did as well. The I know the owner did put out a, or CEO, um, did put out a statement about the, the Microsoft trackers. And they basically said that they did it strictly because Microsoft requires it to use their services. So they only added as many as are needed to actually use the Microsoft uh, products and accounts while you're using the DuckDuckGo products. And they said they are working in the future to remove those um, eventually, but as of now, they can't do it. Otherwise, you won't be able to use certain Microsoft services through DuckDuckGo. So I, again, I, I, don't, I don't believe it's the right call. I would rather just use something else if I'm going to use a Microsoft product. I don't use many. Um, so I, I would rather just, you know, pull up another browser or what have you, if I'm going to use something from Microsoft, I kind of get their reasoning behind it, but I know a lot of people want to just kind of set something and forget it. If they're going to have a daily driver of, okay, I'm just going to use my DuckDuckGo browser and then they can't ac access Microsoft, um, or some services or whatever they're using 
then I could see them getting pissed. Well, my main argument is, is I don't know about you in your area, but um, sometimes when I'm going down the freeway, I see, I actually have seen DuckDuckGo billboards. Yes. And they're like yep. tired of being tracked, want a more private search. Like, I don't know the exact phrasing they use, but they tout themselves as a private and um, secure search engine option. Yeah. But then when you see something like that, it's like, well, are you really? And then the other thing uh, that really turned me off and not to go deep into DuckDuckGo or, or, you know, change your opinion at all is, mm-hmm. but it was came out because they used Bing as their search provider. Bing decided to uh, downvote what they count as Russian misinformation and this whole Correct. Ukraine stuff yep. pop, pop, popped off. Um, that didn't sit well with me. And while I understand the, um, thought behind it and the intention my question is this is kind of a slippery slope who decides what yes. misinformation is and yep. you know i want the russians to lose don't get me wrong well, I, they are. I think that should be up to the individual to decide and not some tech company that just has a, a good market share to sway you know opinion one way or another you know i just i just think it's you know with that and the tracking i just think it's a little shady and yeah. personally i use brave and while Brave does use Bing for some of their results, they are actively working on building their own search index. Hmm. And I know people have a problem with Brave because they their whole cryptocurrency thing. I kind of like the idea that they have their own index, and they will show you it. When you do a search result, it's actually really interesting. You can click on it, and it says, hey, this was 100% provided by Brave, or hey, you know, 80% of the results were from our index. The other 20% were from Bing, and we're still working on it. You know, something like that. I so I, I do agree with you that I I don't necessarily like that DuckDuckGo uses being exclusively. For me, I guess I kind of look at it as a kind of like their email thing. They're just they're making a service that you're already probably using, and they make oh, it a little bit better. One hundred percent. I think it's better which, than nothing. Yeah, I don't I don't Google? trust DuckDuckGo exclusively. I'm not saying yeah. like oh yeah they're they're the you know pioneers of privacy for searching. I'm not saying anything like that. I would rather use that at least as a, a step forward rather than you know just going to Bing itself or something like that. Well, I got to give them credit. They actually have done pretty well marketing themselves. And you know, if you yeah. mention DuckDuckGo to someone who knows even just a little bit about tech, you know, even even potentially like you know someone in your family who isn't that tech savvy, they might have heard of it already. Yeah. If you show them like, hey. Yeah, it looks slightly different from Google, but it's it, you get practically the same results. Some people, depending on what you're looking up, I have heard complain about the search results just because Bing and Google use different algorithms. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, when I was using it, I had no problem. Yeah, I mean, I will say when, when they first, very first started and I started using them, their search results, they, I mean, they were a little ass. Like they, they, they were not the best, uh, but they have, since then, they have polished um, and maybe that has something to do with with Bing's algorithm, maybe getting uh, better or not. I'm not sure how they uh, how the algorithm worked when they first started, but maybe they were trying to index when they first started. I'm not sure, but they have gotten so much better. And honestly, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't complain um, at all when I use their service. It's it's pretty flawless. If you guys are interested, maybe me and Ryan could do a show exclusively about alternative search engine providers, or oh, yeah. you know, just dive deeper on certain privacy respecting. Uh, uh, program services uh, stuff like that so if you you guys are interested in something like that leave a comment down below we we just like to feel the uh, feedback of our viewers and maybe you guys already know about it but maybe we know something you don't know you know who knows but oh yeah i mean there's there's no i mean there's huge money in providing services like that 
so and there's so many search engines like there's Swiss cows, Moji. There's so many. It's it's there's ex- Q absolutely. from France. Oh yeah. Oh, it's what a is that? Good one. Quant? Is yeah, that something quant? like that. Quant. Yeah. I don't know. I just always see start page, Q. which actually uses anonymous Google results. Yeah. Uh, well, not even not even search engines, but just any anything that has to do with searching or algorithms or, email or yeah, email providers. I mean, there's alternatives to Facebook. There's alternatives to Twitter. We've already talked about Odyssey. That's an alternative to YouTube. There is always an alternative to everything. There are some compromises, obviously, um, like with certain like Facebook alternatives and stuff like that. You know, Friendica and stuff like that. There, there hey, are some. Not on Friendica. I'll tell you. That no, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of people on Friendica to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> there, there are always alternatives. But it, it just depends on how how secure you want to be and what compromises you're willing to accept. It's always good just to put a foot forward. So even if just switching from Google to DuckDuckGo, like I was saying before, that's already a step in the right direction. Even though it's not perfect and you do give up some things, it, it just depends on how serious you are about being secure. Hey, uh, Ryan, do you remember, this was quite a while ago, do you remember that uh, podcast we teamed up with and we talked about online privacy and being a human right and stuff like that? Yeah, with uh, Notion Club. Notion, Notion Club, Club podcast. Yep, we talked about data a, rights. Maybe we can make a follow-up or reassess with them. Yeah, I think they'd definitely be down with that. All right. Yeah, your your people give my people and we'll work it out. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll send some memos back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.